I'm the pastor or minister or I'm going to say for my sins, I'm the leader here, but that's probably not the right thing to say for a pastor, is it? No, it's good to be here today and it's good to welcome you all here. Now, in a moment, we're going to get on with our Bible study. Before that, a little bit of family news. <clears throat> you may remember a couple of months ago, we prayed for Doug here. Doug, who's one of our members who plays the guitar and sings and was working for the church uh, as well. And we sent him off to Bogota to be part of the uh, music ministry with Soulfire there. And you may also remember that uh, on that morning, Doug said that um, he'd also started a special friendship with Lily. <laughs> Interesting um, timing. And that timing's come back to uh, challenge him a little bit. Because having talked to the guys in Colombia about how long they need him for, he was kind of hoping they would need him up until about two-thirds, three-quarters of the way through the year. But it turns out with all the commitments they've got to record and make videos and go on tour, they probably need him for a couple of years. Now, there's a little challenge between being on the road and touring with a band for two years and starting a relationship with somebody. And so Doug has had to really pray about that and talk to him about that. And uh, so in the end, he's decided he's coming back a bit early. Now, it so happens that Andrew Bowie gave him a prophetic word before he went that things would not go as he expected. Uh, little did any of us know how unexpected things have turned out to be, but the word of the Lord has proved true for Doug. And uh, he's sort of standing on that and a few other words. And uh, so Doug is actually going to be returning at the beginning of March. So... Oh, he'll be pleased you're so enthusiastic to get him back. Well, I'm really pleased on his account too. So he'll fill you in any of the details, but essentially that was it. So um, thank you for your great hearts in releasing him, but he's decided to, uh, that he, he, you know, he, rather than make that long a commitment to be away, given that he has other interests, <laughs> that uh, he should come back and be here. I mean, all of you, you all of you, you're his interest and... Uh, <laughs> The Lord is his interest, and Newcastle's his interest, so, so, and one or two people in particular as well. So Doug's going to be back with us uh, from early March onwards. So we're going to be really pleased to have him back. Thank you for your gracious hearts in being willing to release him. Um, but sometimes we feel our way in these things. That's what happens. And he's picked up a lot and gained a lot, even in the few months he's been there. And it's been a real time of blessing. Uh, and he's also been able to give a lot as well and, and help with the writing of songs and, and translation work and so on. So everybody's gained from this, and we're gaining because we get him back. Hallelujah. So that's really good. Very good. So on to today's word. Well, we are in a series today of uh, messages uh, on the Holy Spirit and. So we'll get our introductory slides on the go here with our wonderful technology, and then we'll be away. The Holy Spirit and, yes, the Holy Spirit and series and prayer is our topic for this month. Now, our topic today is, apart from prayer, is, yes, does prayer work? Okay, I was praying for that to happen right there, so that's our first example. Does prayer work? That is an interesting question that's often in people's hearts and minds, and we'll find out why a little bit later. Now, there is a man 
who found out prayer works for him. And his name was Daryl Dorr, and he was working for an oil company in the Gulf of Mexico. Now, this is before the BP disaster out there. He was on an oil rig, and his worst nightmare came true uh, on that day on the 1st of June in 1975. As he was working on the oil rig deep inside, he heard some strange sounds groaning and crackling and thumping, and suddenly there was a slip. And one of the legs collapsed on the oil rig, and the whole thing, within minutes, just tipped into the sea, and he was deep inside of it. And there was no way out. And you've seen these films like The Poseidon Adventure, that sort of thing. Well, the same sort of thing happened to him. The oil rig went under the sea, and he was trapped inside, and he was in a, in a compartment, and water started to rise, cold water, higher and higher. And he's scrabbling about. All the lights are off. He's uh, scrabbling around in the dark trying to find his way out and realizing it's hopeful. And all of a sudden, he finds this little air pocket in the corner and he pulls himself into this air pocket. And then everything settles. And there he is trapped at the bottom of the, the Gulf of Mexico in an air pocket in this collapsed oil rig. What do you do in that situation? Well, I want to suggest to you that prayer is probably the first thing that comes to most people's minds. And it did to Daryl. Now, Daryl wasn't particularly uh, a great churchgoer. He'd probably been to church, had some background. He knew about the Christian message. He knew about Jesus. But suddenly, his, let's say, minimal belief took on a whole new dimension. And he's starting to struggle in this air pocket. And he said this. These are his words. I found myself actually talking to someone. And I had this sense of a presence in that air bubble with me. And I knew it was Jesus. I just knew. He said, it was no light or illumination. There was nothing physical that I could find. But I sensed Jesus was there. It was real. And I felt his presence comforted me. Now, you can imagine being in the dark in an air pocket, and not knowing how big it is, how long you've got to be there, whether you'll ever get out. And for 22 hours, that's what happened. And he felt that presence there with him, comforting him all the time as he prayed. Well, then he started to feel so cold and so um, in need, and the air was being used up, and he felt, well, this is probably going to be the end. And then it happened to him, just like people tell you it's going to be the end. He saw a little white light, and he thought, this is it. This is the tunnel they all tell you about, and this white light pulls you towards it. I never really believed it, but it's happening to me now. I'm going. And he's still praying. And suddenly at that moment, up pops a diver's head with a light on the top of his head into the air bubble and tells him he's been rescued. Prayer certainly worked for him that night. And uh, I think he went to church a lot more often after that. <laughs> it kind of did something for him. Does prayer work? Well, how could we know if it did? That's the question. What would we be willing to accept as proof or as evidence that prayer is actually effective and works? Um, maybe if we could see something change 
that would convince us that prayer works. There was a lady in this particular church years ago. She had been trying to sell her house over Wall's End Way, and it had not sold for nearly two years. She had no interest in it. Nobody was, was at all bothered. And she said to me and one of the other leaders, she said, I'm really desperate. Would you come to the house and pray? So he said, well, of course we will. And we went there later that week, and we prayed in this house. It, it wasn't a posh house. It didn't even have central heating in it. It must have been a few years ago. But anyway, it, was a, it didn't have central heating. It wasn't very modernized. And she was on her own and wanted to move into sheltered accommodation. So we went all around the house, and we prayed. Do you know, within two weeks, it sold. Just like that, for the price she wanted. After two years of nothing, suddenly something happens right after we pray in the house. Sally and I were in living in the city of Oxford at the time, and we had some financial needs in our family. We were trying to raise about £1,000, I think it was, which was a lot of money then as it is now. And so we decided to pray, and we didn't tell anybody. We did tell the pastor, and he says he had nothing to do with subsequent events. But we decided to pray and ask God to meet our need, and we wouldn't tell anybody else. We would just pray and see what God could do for us. So we start to pray. About a week after we started praying, we're sitting in our front living room, and it's one of those old, I call it a Coronation Street house. You ever seen those sort of terraced houses on the, on the road? You know, where there's no path. It's like you get a lot here in Newcastle. The front door is straight onto the road. So we're sitting in our front room, and the front door is all that's between us and the street. And we hear this click. We turn around, and something has fallen on the letter from the letterbox. So I, I go and pick up an envelope with, with, with our names on it. And I open the envelope, and there's hundreds of pounds inside. And I, of course, I open the door, and I look out, and the street's completely empty. I want to see what angel has come our way and brought this incredible offering to us. And we're, we're just counting. We keep counting the money, and there's more and more. And, and is it? We could say, like, the fear of God came on us. It was awesome. We'd only been praying a week, and this money comes through the door. And we thought, this is the kind of thing you read about in some people's books, but it never happens to you, but it just has. So we still needed some more. This was a couple of hundred or whatever much it was towards our goal, so we keep praying the next week. Well, we're sitting there in the same evening, the same time, the, the same day of the week, the next week, and there's a click at the door. And sure enough, another envelope drops through the door. And I rush to it. This time, I'm, I'm, I get straight out there. Nobody in the street at all. I can't see a single person. And exactly the same amount of money is in the second envelope. So now we're much nearer our goal and our target. And God met all of that target that we had at the time, that money that we needed. And not all of it dropped through the door like that. It came in some other ways. Well, I was telling this story to a group of kids uh, and one, someone said, oh, it's just coincidence. And I said, well, okay, but I bet coincidences like that don't happen to you. They're too right they don't. Wish they did. I might even start praying if I thought that would happen to me. There was a famous uh, man in the past. He's a famous preacher in, in Britain. He said this. He said, when I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't. I think it's up here on our screen for you to have a look at. And that's a strange thing about coincidences. The more you pray, the more coincidences, if you're listening on the tape, I'm doing inverted commas with my fingers, 
the more coincidences seem to happen. Is Becky here this morning? I haven't seen her around. She's at the hospital this morning. She's fine. Um, did I get this week right this week? We, last Sunday, we prayed for Becky because the baby was upside down. It was a breech presentation. And it was presenting feet first. And so she, we were having a meeting in our house last Sunday, and we prayed for Becky for the baby to turn. Did I hear the baby turn this week? Yeah, how about that? The baby turned. We prayed, the baby turned. That's very recent. I was hoping we could get Becky with bump here to demonstrate for you. Well, not to demonstrate, but to sh- sort of show you. But uh, <laughs> I said that would be a stomach-turning kind of event. But anyway, never mind. Now, I think we could all agree this. If a lot of things happened in relation to prayer, it would be very difficult to put them all down to coincidences. Even if somebody is quite skeptical or unconvinced, you'd have to say, if you could show time after time after again that as people pray, those things happen, you'd have to start asking yourself at least, is there something in this? I mean, can it really be that prayer actually does work? And then the question comes to us, well, if prayer does work, could I do with some prayer? Is there something in my life or my experience that I would really like to see prayer work with? Would that cause us to pray more if we became more convinced that prayer really does work? Well, to help us with those kind of questions, we're going to do a a short little exercise in a Bible study now. And what we're going to do is have some Bible study group members here on the sofas. So I've been looking around the room while I've been talking, and those of you that don't appear to be awake or paying attention, I'm going to pick on you right now to come. No, I'm not really. I'm only joking. But Helen, you've got a nice big smile. Why don't you come and join us on the stage here? And who else can I choose? Somebody somebody, uh, from another part of the room. Dan, come and join us. Must have been the Holy Spirit speaking. <laughs> come, come and sit over here, Dan. Or sit in the other chair if you like. I don't mind whichever one you want to. You can be further away from me there, so I can't. Awesome. And uh, who else can I choose to come and help me with my Bible study here? Uh, let's see, somebody else. Andrew Bowie, you, you look like you could do with a, an outing in prayer today. Come and sit on the end of the sofa here and come and join me. I think that'll do. Okay, let's give my Bible study group a, a round of applause here. You've got some microphones to share there in a moment. Now... First of all, we're going to look at a passage of the Bible together. So let's get the passage of the Bible up there. And then we're going to read this. And then something's going to happen. They're not allowed to turn around. They're going to look forward, and they've got to try and remember what the passage is. And between the three of them, they've got to share this. So iPhones away, please, Andrew, so you can't see on your iPhone Bible there. And it's very simple. It's only three verses of the Bible, so you should be okay. Right? The deal is no looking in a minute. Okay, you can look this time round. I'll read this out, and then you can see if you can remember it together without seeing it. Okay? So, yet news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They'd come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Okay, please turn around and look at me, you wonderful people. If you can get your microphones on. 
Now, the rest of you can see the screen. They, they hopefully can't. We'll just blank Andrew's eyes out there. But okay, I'll come and stand over here so you're looking towards the center. So, what was our passage of the Bible and Can anybody start us off? News spread about Jesus. News spread about Jesus. Well, that's a good start. Is that good? Okay, anybody add to that? The news spread about Jesus. And, and they came to him? They came to him. Who came to him? Uh, Pharisees. All the people. <laughs> We're not asking the audience yet, all right? We can dial a friend in a minute, okay? So, the people came to him, and what happened after that? He, he prayed for them? I think so. <laughs> we think there's some prayer in there. Anything well, else? Yeah, I, I seem to remember withdrawing to quiet places, but it's not I in the did, same order. Yeah, yeah uh, no, that's good. He withdrew to, to quiet places, and he... And he prayed for them. He prayed, he prayed for, for them. People. So, crowds came to him, he withdrew to quiet places, and he prayed. Anything else? And then he healed them. Yeah. Then he, then he healed, healed from sickness. He healed them from sickness. Yeah. How many marks out of ten should we give them for that? Seven. Five, six, seven. Oh, the joke. Okay. They were amazed. They were amazed. Well, no, they were amazed. You remember? I'm okay. amazed. Let's read it. Let's read it again, shall we, and see if we can um, really get into this. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They'd come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Now, to help you, so you don't have to keep turning around, I've just given you a little um, version of that for yourselves to keep in front of you, okay? So you can have a read of that. And I'm going to ask you some questions in a minute and ask all of us some questions. So first question is this. What does this passage tell us about God? What does this passage tell us about God? He likes to be alone. He likes to be alone. Well, just, just say that's yeah. one of the things that tells us about I knew if I invited him up, he'd give me the awkward answer. <laughs> I mean, trouble. I just knew it. He likes to be alone. All right, well, I'll <laughs> take the... <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> he likes to be... He, sorry, you go on. <laughs> Um, it teaches us that Jesus um, is a teacher. Jesus is a teacher. Okay, he's teaching the people. Right. Anything else? He's in. It tells us that God's infectious. People want to be around him when he's doing. People stuff. want to be around God. We want to got God in the form of Jesus, His Son. That's right. When Jesus is here on earth, people want to be around him. Powerful. He's powerful. Yeah, I'll give you that one. Yeah. And, Andrew. I, 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 it says that. That God wants us to speak to him. If Jesus had to do it, then there's got to be something in that for us. Yes, there's an example there for us to follow. Okay, well then, so, well, my first point that I saw in this is that God has power. God has power. It says in that verse that the power of the Lord was with Jesus. God has power. And I'm not sure if you're aware of that, but already let that sink in today, but God has power. And if you didn't know it before, you know it now. You've just seen it there in the Bible, you've read it. You'll notice something else about this power, though. Not only does God have power, he's willing to give that power out to people. Now, that's tremendous, isn't it? Not just that God has power, but he's willing to share or give that power to people like us. And that power helps people. It helps people who are sick, for example, and unwell. We were praying for Albie this morning. And 
you may think, well, okay, maybe that's for them, for those days. But who really believes that kind of thing now? Maybe we don't pray so much these days. Do you know, I wanted to find out how much the ordinary people in Britain actually do pray to see if it's still for today. Well, about eight years ago, a big survey was done, and the BBC reported on this, and they asked, ah, wait, 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 you're ahead of my, my game away there. Dear me. <laughs> Did you know they found 42% of people in this country still pray? Now, this morning, I don't suppose 42% of the population are all in church. It'd be nice if they were. It'd be great if they were. But 42% of our population, you can do it now, Dave, 42% of our population actually pray. And of that 42%, over half of the ones that do pray say it changes things. How about that? Now, that's not me saying that this morning. That's not even the Bible saying that, although it is. That is the average person in the UK saying that, Four tenths, getting on for, well, over a third, maybe getting on for a half of the people are willing to pray at certain times, and over half of them, again, getting on for two thirds maybe, feel it changes something. So actually, there's a lot of belief out there in prayer. A lot of people really turn to prayer like Daryl Dawes did when the oil rig collapsed on top of him. Now, I was curious, what do they actually pray about? This is what people pray about, those 42%. They pray about their family and friends. The second thing they pray about is they thank God. Now, can you believe that? I thought it would be a big, long shopping list. I was pleasantly surprised to find people actually thank God. A lot of times people pray for guidance. That's another thing that people often want help with. And finally, people pray for healing and also major problems in the world, like the poor and wars and disasters and situations like that. I was heartily encouraged by the prayer life of the British Isles after, the, after all of that. We're a lot more prayerful than we realize or we think. So that's tremendous. Well, I thought, since we're talking about sickness, what do doctors think about sickness and prayer? Well, in a, in a, in a survey that was done, I say within the last 10 years, 70% of doctors actually believe miracles could take place. That was a survey done with 1,134 physicians and 70% of them believe miracles are possible today. So next time you go to your doctor, ask him for that miracle cure, and you're 70% likely to get the answer, okay? Not bad. So, this passage tells us something else about God. It talks about the sick being healed. And you'll notice that happens twice. It happens in the first verse and in the second verse. I don't know if we can go back to that slide, Dave, just to show us the, the Bible verse there. But it talks about uh, healing in verse 15 and healing in verse 17. And this is a kind of sandwich because in the middle is Jesus praying. And as Andy pointed out in the study uh, uh, when we were asking the question a bit earlier, when Jesus does something, that's an example for us to copy. That's something we can follow. So if he prays, we can pray. If he prays for the sick, we can pray for the sick. That's how the Bible works. It's really simple and straightforward. Whatever we see him doing, we should be encouraged to have a go at ourselves. Now, there are ways to do that and get the same results he did, but 
One of those results is there in verse 16. He often withdrew to quiet places and prayed. So this is a kind of power prayer, power sandwich. And it's the praying that really makes the difference. This isn't coincidence. This is prayer, often and regular from Jesus, that sets the conditions for healing to take place. So the second question I want to ask, if I can ask Dave to go forward then to our second question on the slides. What does this tell us about people? So my Bible study group, your turn to have a look again. Have a little look. What does this passage tell us about people? Helen, you look ready to answer. That we're in need. Yes. Great answer. You've read my notes, in haven't fact, you? In fact, I'd say there's lots of people in need because it said there's crowds of people that came. So not just one or two. There's right. actually lots of people who came. Yeah? Anyone want to tell Daniel? When people, um, when something significant happens in somebody's life, like a healing of sickness, they don't shut up about it. Right. Like they will tell, like there's no doubt people will know people who've been in hospital, got better, come out. And they just, there is a story to tell. There's always a story to tell. And so it tells us that when, people, when, when God does something in somebody's life, it naturally can be a place of conversation with right. people. So the word gets round when good things happen. So people are in need. Now have a think about that. Do you think that's true of the world today? Are people in need? They are, almost certainly are, definitely are. Our world, even a, a, a good, relatively safe and secure and stable country like ours, there's still plenty of need around. And it's not just one or two people, as Andy points out. It's crowds of them. There's big need around. And somehow these guys have heard, because words got around, that Jesus and God can help them. And that's the second thing to learn from here. These guys knew where to go to in Jesus' day. If they had a need, they were making their way to Jesus. And you know, in those days, they did have doctors. Now, obviously, they're not as sophisticated or as skillful or with as much uh, um, equipment or ability or resources to help people. But they did have doctors in those days. And you get to a point with the doctors somewhere along the line in some situations where what they can do for you runs out. We have some doctors in here this morning. They will probably tell you that is true. They can't do everything for everybody they would really like to. Is that right, Andy? There is a point where what you can do runs out. What then? What next? Where do you go after that? Have you ever been with a situation like that in your life where you've got to a, a what then or a what next situation? You think, well, that's as much as I can do. That's as much as the doctors can do. That's as much as my boss can do. That's as much as my... Uh, husband or friends or wife can do. But we still haven't got there yet. We're still in need. What do we do? What do we do about that kind of moment in life? Well, I want to suggest to you the Bible answer is to pray. Now, I was greatly amused. I was driving past a church somewhere, and they had this sign outside, and it's on the next slide here. This is what they put on their notice board for the public to read. For the sake of the audio, it says, why pray when you can worry and take tranquilizers? Do you know what? We are spending vast amounts of money on medication today, some of it for worry. Um, nearly half of our country is on medication of one sort or another today. Did you know that? It's costing vast ways of money. There's a lot of need in our society. 
And some of that, about 16%, uh, is for problems and issues that are related to worry and anxiety and stress and so on. What do we do when we reach that what then moment and there seems nowhere else to go? Well, as I'm suggesting to you that prayer is the place to go, this is what some famous people said in their moments. Abraham Lincoln, you'll no doubt have heard of his name, famous president of the United States. He said this, I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for that day. The President of the United States, certainly these days, is supposed to be the most powerful man in the world. And yet even in those embryonic times, there's plenty the President couldn't do and needed to turn to God in prayer. Well, John Kennedy, many years later, he was listening to an address by a pastor, a guy called Philip Brooks. And Philip Brooks had gone to the presidential prayer breakfast, and he said something, and it really impressed John Kennedy. And John Kennedy took the line and repeated it in the speech he made a bit later. And he prayed this. He said, do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men. Sometimes when we pray, as we were saying earlier, the situations don't change, but we change in the situations through the praying that we do. And that's another way and a very important way that our prayers are answered. And that made an impact even on the late John Kennedy. Here's what one Christian writer said about prayer. We tend to use prayer as a last resort, but God wants it to be our first line of defense. We pray when there's nothing else we can do, but God wants us to pray before we do anything at all. Good line. This guy called Oswald Chambers. Billy Graham, the famous evangelist, here's one of his comments on prayer. I can't do the accent, unfortunately, but you can imagine him. Heaven is full of answers to prayers for which no one ever bothered to ask. And here's another quote on prayer. The more you pray, the less you'll panic. Amen? The more you pray, the less you'll panic. That's from Rick Warren. Now, I noticed something about all of this, and it's going to divide us when I say it, in a, in, not in a bad way, but here's the thing. All of the quotes I came across when I was looking for quotes were all from America. I hardly found any from this country in recent years. Do you know that? I was looking for British people. I could find John Wesley of... 250 years ago. I could find Hudson Taylor of 100 years ago. But could I find many today? Well, apart from J. John the Evangelist, not many. It seems Britain has gone underground with its praying. And I want to encourage us that we are, and historically always were, a praying nation. And I felt stirred to revive that spirit in me and in us, that we want to discover what it is again to be a nation that puts its trust in God. And the f one of the most fundamental single ways we can do that is to pray and show our reliance on God through our prayer life. And let's hope in a few years' time there's plenty of quotes from British prime ministers rather than just American presidents and plenty of quotes from British people of all walks and talks of life. That's our second question. And our third question is this. What is this passage saying to me? Is there something I can do as a result? And here's some of the kind of questions we can ask ourselves with that. What stands out to me or speaks to me or impresses itself on me when I read this passage? Is there anything I can apply or do this week as a result of reading this 
these few Bible verses. Here's a good question. If I've learned something that's good, is it a lesson that's good enough to pass on so I can share that with somebody else? Why keep a good thing to yourself? Okay, over to our Bible study group. What speaks to you in this passage? What's it saying to any of you? Andrew? I like the idea of having a prayer sandwich, to be honest. Yes? Partly because it's food, but it really kind of strikes me that you can be doing stuff, but at some point you always need to retire into prayer, and if Jesus had to do it, then that's something that I've got to pick up. Yes, it's a really good point. Don't get so busy that we don't stop to pray. When things go well, that's when you can often think, well, everything's going fine now and I don't need to pray. But as they're going well... Take some time to pray and thank God it's going well and ask him if it'll go well some more. Good prayer sandwich. Okay, Andrew's going to have a prayer sandwich this week then. Helen. Um, I was really struck by, actually, when, when Jesus prayed, he, he, you never see Jesus complain and you never see him. He always, I always get the sense that always Jesus replaced complaining with prayer and he replaced, um, you know, anger with prayer and I'm, I think that's something that I'd love to be able to do more of replace the bad things with always praying okay replace bad things negative words negative thoughts complaining that sort of thing with praying that's very honest of you but thank you Helen that's a good challenge for us all I think Dan find Jesus that's what I that's find, find him Jesus like the crowds regularly here. find him because they that's what they did they went to find Jesus and they when the news spread they found him so whatever that is like whether it's um, praying, reading the Bible, doing something which is to find Jesus, what does he want, and then do what he asked me to do. Awesome. That's a very simple but good lesson, isn't it? Find Jesus. You couldn't give anyone better counsel or advice than that. If you've come to church this morning and you're a visitor, there's a great piece of advice for you, find Jesus. And if you're a regular here, great piece of advice for you this morning, find Jesus. (laughs) If you're somewhere in between find Jesus. I mean, it doesn't get any more simple or powerful than that. Thank you, Dan. You're a great preacher. A very simple, easy to remember lesson there. Find Jesus, have a prayer sandwich, replace all the negatives with prayer. Well, those are three great lessons to learn from that. And I'm sure as the questions went up, you were also drawing your own lesson from this passage. Well, want to move to our conclusion now, and I've got three parts to the conclusion. So here's the first part of the conclusion, this. If you know you need prayer, or you have something concerning prayer on your heart, you want prayer for something, here's an offer, an invitation for you. You have on your seats a contact card like this, and you can use it for a prayer request. Just fill in your details on one side and turn over on the back and write down what it is you want prayer for. And we'll take these cards this week and we'll pray for them. And we'll keep touch with you, see how you're doing. Becky's baby turns, amen, within a week. So we can keep contact with you through that and see how you're doing in that prayer request. So if you've got a prayer request or need and you want to write it down, do that. And we as a church will pray for those needs. So that's our first part of the conclusion. You can do that right now if you want to. You can start writing those things out and... Our guys in T-shirts, you can hand the prayer cards into them at the end and they'll collect those in for you and we'll deal with them from there. The second conclusion is this. You've got a card on your seat looking like this. Now, if you're new or a visitor here 
uh, I want to invite you particularly through this card. There's two invitations on here. One is to talk, the other is to discover. And there's a yes, mobile phone number on there. All you need to do is text your name and uh, either talk or discover or both to that mobile phone number, and we'll follow that up and see how we can help you. And here's how we can help you. What we did this morning was set out for you very simply what we call a, a discovery Bible study. And discovery Bible study is where you do the talking. Now, because it's church and a message this morning, I've done a lot of the talking. But normally, it's just the questions that we ask these guys here on the seats. And each week, we ask the same three questions about, those, uh, about the passage. We have a short passage from the Bible. We read it together like they did. We try and remember it in our own words. And then we ask the questions. And through those questions, we see what's going on in our own lives and hearts. We get to give our opinion, our thoughts. And we call that a discovery Bible study. And if you want to do uh, a little bit more and find out a little bit more, we've got a basic three-week set of Bible, discovery Bible studies that you can sign up for or you can find out more about if you're not sure just by, typing the word, just by texting the word discover to that number. If you don't want to do that, but you just want to talk to somebody about prayer or some needs you've got in your life, uh, say you're a visitor here today, you can just text the word talk to that number and we'll get in touch with you and arrange with you where we can get together and talk and let you do the talking. And we'll listen and see what we can do to help you in your need because we believe God answers prayer. And then finally, our conclusion, I want to leave you with a phrase to think about. And it's this. If God is not there, then it's foolish to pray. But if God is there, then it's foolish not to. Can anybody say amen to that? Simple, isn't it? So my encouragement to us all this week is, does prayer work? Yes. Amen. So pray. Have a great week. Thank you for listening and being so good. Thank you to our guests here on the sofa. We didn't make it too difficult for you, I hope. You want to make your way down? That's great. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, Andy. Ben and Karis, back over to you. I think, how can one follow that? I think that concludes.